0: This is the Woodland Hills Family Church Podcast. Our desire is to inspire you and your family to become fully devoted followers of Christ. Now enjoy today's message with Shay Robbins. We're talking about doing what God says today. And I want to share a story with you guys from our life. Last year, I shared a story where I accomplished a bucket list item. I climbed a 14er, which is a 14,000 foot mountain. And I also told you at that time that a new item on the bucket list were, was to take my wife and six kids up a 14 or someday. And so uh, we just got back from vacation in Colorado. We stayed in a place called Cuchara, Colorado in the Southern Rockies. It's on the old Santa Fe Trail. And on the Santa Fe Trail, there's two peaks that stand above the rest, the Spanish peaks. And, uh, you know, hundreds of years ago, when people would travel the Santa Fe Trail out west, they would use those two peaks as guideposts to make sure they were headed in the right direction. And legend has it that on one of those peaks, Spanish militia came through on the Santa Fe Trail and they found gold on one of those peaks. They enslaved the, the natives, according to legend, to help harvest all of this gold. They murdered those people. And then on their getaway... The native relatives came back around, murdered them, took the gold, and the, the gold has never been uh, found ever since. The legend of the, uh, the uh, uh, West Peak there. And so my family and I decided, hey, I think we should climb this together. It's a 13.6, so just shy of a 14. It'll be good enough. Um, and so I started pitching the kids on this adventure, and I just said, hey, this, this will be one of the greatest things that we ever do as a family. But if we do it, it's also going to be the hardest thing you've ever done in your life. And so I started kind of managing their expectations. We'll have to get up really early. They're going to have to pack a bunch of food and water. It's going to be a long trip. It's just, uh, just a shade under eight miles round trip. And, but I just told them, I'm like, as your dad, like, this is going to be worth it. It's going to be an awesome experience. And so we all kind of decided, all right, we're going to go for it. So the kids, they get, a, they get all their gear together. They go to bed in their hiking clothes. And they pack their fanny packs like just full of sugary snacks, OK, exactly what you want on the side of a mountain. And so we woke up that next morning at 5 AM. We load up the RV. And we began the long climb up the Cordova Pass. We got parked. And by 6 o'clock, we started on our adventure. And here's kind of the first picture is we're setting out in this just beautiful pasture up on top of the mountains. And there is the West Spanish Peak that we're looking at. It looks really cute, you know, from that distance. Uh, it starts to look pretty ugly the closer you get to it. But um, so we set out on this journey. This is Piper. She's our youngest who made the climb herself. She just turned six at the end of July, July 31st. It's a miracle that I remember her birthday. Um, sage, our youngest, was in a three-year-old uh, on my back, backpacked her up. And, and so at this point, none of us had cried yet, so we're doing great. There's about a three-mile trek through the woods and through the forest, and then you get up to the tree line, and at the tree line, is, it just becomes rocks because the elevation's so high that plant life doesn't grow. It's just uh, uh, kind of brutal conditions, and so we get up to the tree line and that's where the hike really begins. It, you know, we were huffing and puffing and we took some breaks, but when you start climbing in the boulder field, you're everything, your head begins to spin, you get lightheaded, your thighs feel like they're gonna blow up and grow into quads like Ty Jenkins. And uh, it's just, it, it's really intense. Um, and so here, here's another picture. This is us. Look at the incline on that mug. This is not like, creative photography. This is real life, people. Um, Right here, I think only 25% of us had cried at this point, but we all managed to smile. We're happy. We're eating our snacks. And uh, it it was pretty awesome. We were hanging out there in the cleft of the rock. We were probably a third of the way up. And on the, the next two thirds, it really, it got ugly. I mean, we were working hard and uh, you know, some kids were doing better than others. We all had our ups and downs, but we worked together as a family. We encouraged each other, and we charged all the way to the top. And this is the most appropriate picture for how we felt when we got to the top. That is, that's is—that's Lulu. <laughs> she gets the top and just... <laughs> we were decimated. Uh, so we're at the top of this thing, and there's so many emotions going on. Like, you feel amazing because you made it. Your body is just screaming at you. You look out over God's creation, and it's just spectacular. And uh, it's just, it was an awesome experience. There's Sager, she was conked out. She had a uh, little rosy cheek that got sunburnt on the way up as she napped on my back. Um, and, you know, we get up there and it was, it was incredible. It's an experience we'll absolutely never forget. The only problem was you have to walk back down, which is not any easier uh, but we walked back down, and, and there's Piper. She's eating a Cliff Bar. Like, literally, those things are so good on top of the mountain. Uh, there's the Robbins crew. We survived. We made it to 13.5 was kind of the peak we, we got up to. Thank you very much. Um, you know, as I mentioned, there was supposedly some gold strain up there. We didn't find any treasure. All we fo- found were uh, pain, suffering, and rocks. And we made some memories in the process. But uh, Ephesians 2.10 is a scripture that we reference a lot in this church. And Ephesians 2.10 talks about good works which God has prepared in advance for us to do. And, and what's so fun is we didn't find treasure that day, but when you, when you go on an adventure with God, you wake up every day and you go treasure hunting. Lord, what have you written into my story? What purpose do you have for me and only me to fulfill on your behalf? And when you live that way, your obedience becomes fun. It builds an appetite for God. What do you want me to do? What do you want me to participate in? What hard thing do you want me to do today? And, and so uh, with that in mind, we're going to look at James chapter 1, verse 21. I'm going to read it for you. It says, Therefore, ridding yourselves of all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness, in humility receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. One of the key phrases there is in humility receive. And I just laughed thinking about all the guys out here who uh, have gone, you know, their wives have gone shopping at Ikea and you get one of these packages back with a million parts and you're supposed to make a table out of it. Um, And when the reality is like, we don't want to read any directions, right? We just want to put it together. Here's what this guy did. Yeah, this is actually... uh, same name, same product number, not the same chair. Hashtag Ikea fail, right? Yeah, it's funny when it's a chair, but half the time we're doing this with our life. We're not willing to be humble enough to follow God's instructions, and, and a lot of times things look a little bit off in our life. They're just not quite right. And, and the reality is that comes from a lack of obedience and humility to receive, Another word that's just awesome in that passage is, that is the word save. And that word save, it's actually in the Greek is the word sozo. And uh, this word sozo, it means to save or deliver or protect, heal, preserve, save, do well, or to be made whole. So sozo is a saving. It's a continual saving that regenerates your mind, body, and your soul. It, it helps you to live a healthy lifestyle. This summer, I was, uh, I just finished working out and I was walking out of the weight room and there was a young guy walking in and I've been uh, kind of purposefully just practicing being interruptible for whatever God's got for me. And I walked past this young guy and I could tell he was just like a little bit down based on his countenance. And so I'd stopped and I said, hey, Mark, tell me how you're doing. And Mark was honest. He's like, well, to be honest with you, I'm not doing very well. I said, well, tell me about that. And as Mark kind of shared his feelings, he's being crushed by anxiety. And as he talked through kind of the reasons why, uh, flags kept going off for me of lies that he was living in. He was struggling with doubt. He was struggling with a lack of control. And he was struggling and thinking that his life had any value. And I just sat there and listened. And when he finished talking, I put my hand on his neck and I, I just spoke to each one of those lies. And I just took scripture that I had memorized in the years, you know, years ago, and I spoke truth into each one of those lies. And I could tell it was refreshing to him, but we had this little interaction and I didn't think too much of it. And I, I just went on with my day. Well, a month later, Mark grabbed me and said, Shay, I need to, I need to tell you what happened. He said, you really helped me. He said, uh, when you put your hand on my neck, I felt power coming into my body. And I'm like, did I squeeze your neck too hard or what? And, and he's like, yeah, that would just really help me. And so I walked away from that thing. I'm like, what in the world? I've really been processing through what happened there because I didn't feel anything. I certainly didn't do anything. What, what, I, what I did was I spoke truth into lies. And as I've processed it, this is kind of what I think happened. I think that that Mark was believing these lies that I identified, and each one was like an invisible chain and shackle that was locked up on him, that was weighing him down. And with each lie that was added, it was adding this weight of burden to his life and it was rocking his world. And as I grabbed his neck and I shared the truth of scripture, uh, God took the key of truth and he unlocked each shackle and he removed the chains one at a time and, and Mark was set free in that moment. He experienced the power or the, the, the ability of God's word to save, to deliver, protect, heal, preserve, save, or to be made whole. Now, it's up to Mark what he does with that, but it wasn't anything that I did. It was the power of God's word setting him free. James 1.22, it goes on to say, but prove yourselves doers of the word and not just hearers who deceive themselves. On the way down the mountain, this was the most heroic moment of our entire trip. My son Knox was, he was trailblazing on the way up. Like he led, nine years old, led the way. Uh, he was out in front and we just followed him. On the way down, he was wearing some like hunting boots. And they were rocking his world with every step he's putting the brakes on. And they were just like tearing into his uh, Achilles. And he started to have an emotional breakdown. And Ashley grabs him in this like epic mom moment. She sees this need that her son has. And she takes off her boots and she puts them on Knox's feet and she puts Knox's boots on her feet. And her feet are at least an inch longer than hers or, or than his rather. And she begins to go down that mountain. I mean, her toes had to be curled up. Every, and, and it's so steep, like every time you stop, your, your toes are just crushing into the end of your shoes, even when they fit right. And, and so Knox like got this like fresh breath of, you know, I can do this. And he gets to the bottom. And I, you know, Ashley had to be in so much pain, but she's given birth to six children, so she pretty much can take anything. <laughs> Uh, but it was just this moment like she, was gonna, she knew it was going to cost her something to take care of this little boy. And it, it did. It costed her comfort. It cost her pain. And, and I just think it's a great illustration because obedience comes with a cost many times. My question is, what is it that stands between being a hearer of what God says and doing what God says, what is it that stands in the way? Romans one twenty one I think speaks to this. It says, "For even though they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their reasonings and their senseless hearts were darkened." Here in Romans, Paul he's writing he's talking about non believers. And later on in chapter one, he says that they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and they begin to worship the creature rather than the creator. And he's given us this warning that, that when we deceive ourselves, when we talk ourselves out of doing what God says, we choose our flesh, we choose our, the natural man or woman over God's way. We take him out of the throne, we put ourselves in it. There's all kinds of reasons we do that. Sometimes it's as simple as comfort. Sometimes it's pride. Sometimes it's a sin that's kind of become your pet and you don't want to let go of. Regardless, the power of God that we have access to is being thwarted when we fail to act on what God says. James puts it this way. He says, for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, He's like a man who looks at his natural face in the mirror for once he's looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. Scripture is like a mirror. As you spend time under its teaching, as you spend time reading it and studying it and listening, the mirror stands before you and it shows you who you really are. It's exposing. But many of us who you know, attend church, maybe you've grown up in church, maybe you've come from a family where uh, the Bible was talked about on a daily basis. When we're only hearers, it's like standing before that mirror and then walking away and forgetting who you are. Church, don't forget who you are. You're sons and daughters of the Most High. You're a part of the royal family. And in order to know how to function, like to live under that blessing, you've got to know the king. You've got to know the precepts that he set up to run his kingdom. And when you, when you live under that umbrella, you get to experience amazing blessing. So why don't we experience that blessing? A lot of times we get stuck on the hump between hearing what God says and then doing it. Katie made this uh, slide for me, and I think it represents that, that hump really well. When we hear from God, the thing that stands between doing what God says is the cost of discipleship. Hear me on this. For those of you who choose to follow Jesus, and that's what being a disciple is. A disciple means to be a learner or a follower. For those of us who choose to follow Jesus, there is a cost. In fact, it's going to cost your whole life. Scripture says that that you're going to have to go through suffering if you choose to follow Jesus but the scripture also says that God's way is the best way. It's worth it. It's worth the cost of discipleship. And so I think it's important to be aware of this. Why, why don't I wanna be obedient right now? Well, it's because there's something that stands in the way that I'm clinging to. Head to that next slide, Katie. James, he goes on, he says, but one who has looked intently at the perfect law, the law of freedom, and has continued in it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an active doer, this person will be blessed in what he does. That's a great promise. When you're standing up against obedience and you're deciding whether it's worth it, whether I'm gonna do what God says, or if I'm gonna walk away from it, talk myself out of it, deceive myself. Scripture says you'll be blessed. I want to give you a couple more. Psalm 34, 7 and 8 says, same thing. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and rescues them. Taste and see that the Lord is good. How blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. I love that passage, taste and see. You know what happens when you experience God and you look back, you're like, wow. He truly was good. It was worth it. Psalm 1 says it this way, blessed is the person who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. I wanna define blessing today. Because I think when, when you're standing on the edge and you're deciding, am I gonna sacrifice this? Am I gonna sacrifice my pride, my comfort, my sin, whatever it might be, awkwardness, fear, doubts? I wanna know, what does it mean to live in the blessing of God? And here's one of them. God's blessing, they come by way of subtraction and addition. And my eyes, I've never known this. I've never been aware of it. I just opened my eyes to this as I was studying the scripture. Here's how he blesses us by way of subtraction. The cost of discipleship is the thing that needs to be removed for you to be more like Jesus. How cool is that? So when you have a moment of obedience, you hear what God says, you know what you need to do, but you're standing their way in the cost. What this means is that if I choose to be obedient, as I make my way up over whatever stands between me and obedience, that mountain or that hill, it's gonna be shaved off a little bit. The next time I come up to that mountain, it's gonna be easier to climb. Like, I know I can get over this. And I know God's blessing on the back end of it. So uh, here's some of the subtraction. I'm not gonna read them for you. You read them yourself. But these are the, some, just a, some examples of the things in our life that stand between us and obedience. And the reality is you read those things, you're like, uh, I don't really want those. And yet those are the things I fight for. What is the deal with that? Well, every time you choose, each and every time you choose to do what God says, you're sanctified in your faith. You overcome that sinful obstacle or perhaps a wound from the past. You get to overcome it. And that, that thing gets sanctified out of you. The word sanctified just means to be set apart. We grow when we experience God's way is the best way. Isn't that awesome? That's why it's so good to look back on obedience of the past. When God called me to do X, or when God called me to do this. That's why it's really smart to journal. It's because you get to look back and remember, I remember that obedience, and I also remember how good God's blessings were when I got over myself. It was worth it. God really is the best. So that's blessing by subtraction. Well, here's blessing by addition. Some of you guys like to add more than subtract, so I just wanna hit everybody in the crowd, okay? By doing what God says, you bless God with your obedience. So I mentioned Piper. She's our six-year-old. She climbed that mountain by herself. And, or should I say, on her own two feet. There were times heading up that mountain where she was just exhausted and, And Ashley was kind of in the the back end and was encouraging her way up the hill or up the mountain. And when we got to the top of it, and she's standing there with her cliff bar hanging out of her mouth, being a goofball in the picture, I just like, Ashley and I couldn't even describe to you how proud of her we are. If she was in this room right now, I'd just kiss her face off. I love her so much. I mean, it was just this like amazing, heroic, courageous little act. And she did it. And and a daddy's heart, as you can imagine, just swells with joy. And what's fun about obedience is we get to do that with the Lord. We get to be that daughter or that son that is obedient, says, Lord, I'll do this with you. Hey, there was times where we picked up. I carried Piper for two and a half miles, but I was right there with her. I didn't let her, I didn't carry her the whole time. I wanted her to walk it out. But, but the daddy was there with the child, and that's the relationship that we get to have with God, no matter how old you get. You bless others with God's goodness. This is one of the sweetest part of obedience. It's like Ashley, when she saw that opportunity to serve her son, and she took it. It put new wind in his sails. And he was able to overcome tremendous difficulty and burden. And we get to do that. I mean, with with acts of obedience as we serve others. We get to go on an adventure with God. We become more like Jesus as he shaves off those mountaintops that we get hung up on. And here's the last one, is that we enjoy the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. They get to be ours. And you look at that list compared to the last long list I showed you, which one do you choose every time? It's like a no-brainer. I want me some of that. Like, I want to experience that. That's the way I want to live. When you're around people like that who have the fruit of the Spirit, they're like a magnet. You just want to be around them. And the reality is that people walk around with those qualities are becoming fewer, fewer and farther between, it seems like. Like, those, those qualities are so valuable in society today. And when we walk by the Spirit, we get to enjoy them, and then the other people around us enjoy them as well. But here's the key. You can't enjoy the fruit of the Spirit unless you walk by the Spirit. It's not enough just to be hearers of the Word. You'll only get to experience a fraction of the goodness of God. you only get to experience a fraction of the abundant life if you sit there and you merely just hear. But James charges to do what God says. So going back to that mountain, as we come back down the mountain, I I could talk for hours about it. Uh, We got back to the RV and we all just crashed. I mean, we were beat. Everybody just lays down. They fall asleep. I drive back. And uh, we go, and we had dinner. And we're sitting around the dinner table at this restaurant. And we had the uh, West Spanish Peak Award Show. And every kid got an award. Knox was the pioneer for charging forward. Uh, what was Piper's? I should have wrote these down. Um, Oh, Tess was the Happy Little Squirrel Award. She gets down the mountain. She's going through, we've got about a three-mile hike through the woods, and she's running, skipping around, picking up rocks and adding them to her burden. I'm like, what are you doing? Uh, and, and, you know, so each kid just, like, had these moments where they shined. Oh, yeah, Piper's was, was the world record, the first six-year-old. We don't know if she's really the first six-year-old to climb. We're just going to claim it, All right? But they each got this award where we celebrated them in that, just an awesome uh, adventure that we went on together. And the thing about that, that adventure is that our family will never be the same because we've logged that in who we are. It's a part of the Robbins family now. It's a memory that we'll never forget. It's one that we'll recall upon over and over and over again. It's changed us, and I believe it's changed us for the better. And so it is with every act of obedience that God invites you into, and oh, by the way, your day, it's full of treasures. It is stock full of treasures. Some are just small little acts of obedience. Some are maybe more significant, seemingly, to serve people, share the gospel, go on a mission trip, whatever it might be. But I just invite you into obedience as a church to not, to not just be hearers of the word, but that would the Woodland Hills Family Church would be known for being doers of the word how's that sound to you all right let's stand together and we'll pray lord we thank you for just the incredible power of godly truth and how it can change our lives and the lives of people around us and I just pray that you'd give us the courage and the faith to be men and women of obedience I pray that obedience would would no longer be a burden but we would just relish in the blessing of your goodness the blessing and the goodness of your plan and I I pray that through our doing of the word that we would be the hands and feet of Jesus here on earth